Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, how are things today? Things are great. It's nice and warm here. Beautiful day. We're brought to you by Harry's as usual. I'll tell you about them in a moment, I'm sure. Um, but my biggest news is tomorrow I go down to Steeler Minicamp. It'll be three days this week, three days next week. Probably going to be there 12 to 15 times over the next month or so, You know, three-hour shows, watching camp, interviewing players, always fun. Yeah, that sounds fun. What, any players you're looking forward to seeing specifically? Uh, the rookies obviously get the most attention. You know, Mason Rudolph, Washington, first-round pick, and all those guys, of course. Morgan Burnett. But unlike most teams, there's not a whole lot of change in Steeler country usually year to year. What's the what's the word on Lev? Is he? He won't be there. He won't be there. Yeah, he won't I figured. Be there, no. no, that's that's just kind of uh, commonplace at this point, right? <laughs> right, no, right. No surprises there, really. Not at all. But we should be getting some news across the league starting this week. You know, hopefully, no one steps in a hole and blows out a knee or anything like that. But. I, I, I'm not sure if you're the same way, but I've been doing this so long that most of the reports I get out of minicamp, I don't take a whole lot of stock in, you know, Josh Rosen's lighting it up or, you know, like eh, easy, easy, you know, but at least sometimes you can see the roles people were playing, where they're lining up, you know, who they're playing with. All those reports are interesting and it's just tough to really kind of weed through those and figure out what has some, some actual merit and what's just coach speak or, you know, mm-hmm. reporters looking for for something to put online or put in the paper or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, that, I'm glad that you brought that up, time. actually, because I mean, now that I've been on the media side now for a while in this within this organization and w- around the Steelers, you know, you, some of the guys you sit there and you watch minicamp as a reporter, there really isn't all that many stories that come out of one practice, and you have to write something. So I need our listeners to realize that. Their job is to put something out on the internet, something on paper, even if there really isn't something to be said. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good to good to note. And uh, like you said, really starting later this week, we'll we'll start seeing some of those reports on Twitter, on Roto World, and and on different team sites and things like that. So that's something to pay attention to, or or maybe not pay attention to. It, it depends, right? We'll we'll yeah, right. read that again. Well, Matt, today we are going to answer some listener questions, and I'll, as always, we got some good ones, uh, some some really thought-provoking questions this time, challenging us a little bit. That's a good thing. First question comes from Jaron, uh, one of one of my coworkers over at DLF. He says, who did you find yourselves drafting the most on your dynasty rosters, particularly in the late rounds? So thinking about Uh, Thinking about those rookies, we've all been doing rookie drafts, rookie auctions in my case, and and in the case of some of our listeners. Uh, Matt, was there any – I know last time we talked you had done maybe two drafts. Uh, Have you done a few more since? I think I have four or five in the book with one or two more to go. So got a good feel for it, and and I think this question is valid because – I'm getting the same people a lot of the time and I'm moving around the draft board to do so. The first round guy I would mention is Sony Michelle. You know, I have him as my third ranked rookie. So I've gotten him at three. I've gotten him at six or seven when he's fallen. So he's somebody that's sort of consistently ended up on my team or I've done my best to acquire the, some mid round guys. I've noticed I'm landing a lot that I think I'm higher on the most are Lamar Jackson, Naheem Hines, 
Antonio Callaway, Jordan Wilkins. Would say those are guys that in the second rounds I'm picking up quite a bit. Um, a little later than that, Jamon Moore ends up on my team more often than not. And that might be about it. I don't have a guy who super late I've been grabbing. And to be honest, I've been dumping my fourth round picks left and right. Yeah, one player, I, I like a lot of those names. And it, it's interesting. Some of those players I considered myself a fan of uh, pre-draft. Certainly, Lamar Jackson would be one of those. And I, I don't think I have any shares yet. I don't think I've drafted Jackson at all. Uh, it, it just, you know, it, it just hasn't fallen that way for me, unfortunately. And he's uh, going pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's been the quarterback one in some of my drafts, despite being what, I guess the fifth quarterback drafted in the NFL draft. Uh, a couple of the players that I have ended up drafting multiple times, I think I've done most of my leagues have have had the rookie draft or rookie auction already. So I'm I'm close to 10, probably maybe, maybe even more than that. Antonio Callaway is a guy I've ended up uh, drafting multiple times. Uh, and Jaron actually also had a follow-up question. Was it landing spot, college production, metrics, et cetera, that influenced those picks? I, I think in Callaway's Callaway's case for me, it was it was simply just talent. And, and we've seen what can happen with those guys who are uh, or who do have some off-field issues and how, how their stock can be affected. Uh, I've seen plenty of people, uh, analysts and uh, draft analysts and fantasy, fantasy analysts, say that if it weren't for these off-field issues, that Callaway might have been uh, not only a first-round rookie pick, but maybe even a first-round NFL draft pick. So Maybe grabbing, first receiver off the board. Right. Grabbing, grabbing him in the late second round range, which is where I've normally been uh, drafting him feels like a risk worth, worth taking at that point. And um, as far as a late round guy, Chase Edmonds, the uh, Arizona running back is, is one I've found myself drafting over and over uh, in that late third round or really anywhere in the fourth round. He's, does you it know, shock he, you how late he's going? Like he's my 30th ranked rookie and I haven't landed him yet. But he's got ability. He's behind a great running back, but no one else really around him. And that great running back's coming back from injury. Like Edmonds, to me, should be going higher than every time I see him go. Yeah, I think so as well. And and he's an he's a guy who I haven't seen him talked about a ton or heard him talked about on other podcasts or anything. But he seems to be gaining some value um, in those drafts that took place immediately after the NFL draft. Uh, he was going late in the fourth round. I got him, I think, with a with my four eleven pick in one draft. Uh, in a couple, I believe he even went undrafted, and now he's starting to sneak into that mid to late third round range. So uh, maybe he's he's starting to get a little more attention from dynasty owners. I, I certainly wouldn't wish another injury upon David Johnson. We all want to see uh, see if he can reach his goal of a thousand thousand season. Uh, but like you said, he's, he's one injury away from some, some real playing time. I'm not, I'm, I'm not worried about really anybody else on that roster as far as the, the backfield depth chart. I think Edmonds could, could have a role from day one, potentially. There's two other names I want to bring up as really late guys. And usually I don't even use my fifth round pick. You know, I just skip it. I'm already full, but in two of my leagues, I'm traded up. I had an extra roster spot. I had my fifth round pick and I took Josh Allen in both of them. And 
this is a perfect example to me of the difference between fantasy and reality. Because anyone listens to me, he was by far my number four quarterback of the or number five quarterback of those first round guys as a football player. I think he's in an awful landing spot. His receivers are terrible. I don't trust the line. What if McCoy gets hurt? But he runs. You know, there's a lot of Cam Newton similarities to his game that I think he's a much better fantasy guy than he is real player. And I could see the Bills being, you know, one and four to start the season. And he plays, you know, 10, 12 games this year. So a starting quarterback with crazy tools that runs a lot as a fifth round guy in dynasty, I think is really worth it. And then the other one is Chris Herndon. I think we talked about him last show was a tight end from the Jets. He could be the starter from day one. And if he were injured, if he was not injured, I think he may have been a second round pick in the real world. Yeah, Herndon is is another guy uh, often not even getting drafted in some of the drafts I've seen. Yeah. Along those same lines, Troy Fumagalli, uh, tight end for Denver. I, I could see him potentially uh, earning a starter's job for the Broncos as well. So yeah. pl- plenty of late-round options. Next, quarter, uh, next question, I should say, an- another rookie-focused question, as many of these are. This one's from Big Shep, and he's talking about your guy, Lamar Jackson. In a one-quarterback league, how high is too high to take Lamar Jackson? And he notes that he has the 1.09 pick and then doesn't pick again until the fourth round. So uh, we know a couple things. Right. (laughs) We we know those fourth rounds aren't – fourth-round picks are not going to cut it uh, as far as Jackson is concerned. Uh, He's going somewhere – really anywhere in that second-round range I think is fair game, Uh, especially once you get to the 2-3, 2-4 spot when you see Michael Gallup come off the board, when you see James Washington come off the board. That – that's kind of the signal that Lamar Jackson is not going to be too far behind. So Matt, as, as a big fan of Jackson, how high would you say is too high to reach for Jackson? Would you, would you consider taking him at one nine? No, no. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's guys that that's taking him over a Ridley or a Freeman or a Sutton, a Miller. I can't do that despite my love for him. Uh, two quarterback leagues, maybe take him higher than that, but that wasn't the question. Right. It's f- funny, Ryan, that you mentioned Washington and Gallup because I have Washington as my 14th-ranked rookie, Jackson is my 15th-ranked rookie, and Gallup is my 16th-ranked rookie. So you had mentioned you know, when Washington and Gallup start falling, it's about to be Jackson time. Well, I think maybe even a smidge earlier for me if you are as in love with them as I am. So, you know, 2-3 is my earliest. All right, so if you're sitting with the 1-9, then – Maybe you're in in uh, in a position to trade down, get a couple of maybe a couple of second round picks, but yeah, Matt, I agree with you. One one nine is too early, and obviously those fourth rounders are going to be too late. So somewhere in that second round range, likely early in the second round is is where we would want to target Jackson. I guess I have a philosophical dynasty question for you, which is kind of like talking NFL. Is let's say. That- my our guy here, what was his name again? Big yeah, Shep. Big, big Shep. My, my man, Big Shep takes Lamar Jackson at one nine. What would Jackson's career path have to be to make that worthwhile? Would he have to be Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson? You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to use one nine on a quarterback, do you think he better be a perennially top five type guy, a Cam Newton career path? Yeah, yeah, I think so because. I mean, even now, and especially if you have a class like this year, a class like last year, where 
the rookies and, and the value does run so deep, it's hard to trade a quarterback for a first round pick, right? I mean, think about who can, is, right. Right. Who can you get a first round pick for right now? Quarterback wise, Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Wentz. Uh, Carson Wentz. Yes. Wilson Watson. Uh, Wilson. Yes. Watson. Uh, I saw two different trades in the last week of the one eleven for Deshaun Watson. So that's, that's kind of where he is. And if you're going to take, Lamar Jackson with one nine, you better be sure he's going to be in that range. And uh, as, as much upside as he has, as much as I'm going to be cheering for him, I'm not willing to make that pick. You know, why not, why not trade down a little? And if you can trade one eleven for Deshaun Watson, you know, look at, look at that type of move. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, I mean, it's obvious is if you're trying to trade, even if it's Russell Wilson or Rogers or Watson, there's eight teams in your league that doesn't even have the slightest bit of interest. Yeah, I've got, I've actually got one league, um, Matt. It's one we're in together where I've just got some crazy quarterback depth. Uh, I've, I had already, I had Aaron Rodgers and Cam Newton. Uh, I ended up over the past couple of years with Jimmy Garoppolo and Patrick Mahomes. And then it comes up to my pick late in the second round, and Baker Mayfield is, is on the board, and he's my top ranked player. And, no, no, I I didn't. I had, I had to, I had to look elsewhere and I had to go away from my rankings a little bit because I knew there just wasn't much demand for quarterbacks in this league. And I already had four that uh, in a one quarterback league, I I really need to be able to move one of these guys for some value, maybe two of these guys for some value. And it hasn't happened yet. So I didn't want to dig that hole even deeper. Yeah, I, I was a, a team I'm totally I've totally broke down and I'm rebuilding. I've been trying to dump Russell Wilson and like the best offer I could get was a future second and Duke Johnson. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't yeah. do it for me. Next question from Alex. 12 team PPR trade question. Should I trade Le'Veon Bell for Keenan Allen, Marvin Jones, and a 2019 first? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. He mentions other <laughs> I don't care about the rest. We don't we don't need any other details. He he also has Kareem Hunt, Joe Mixon, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Darius Geis, Tariq Cohen. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. Move on. Yeah. Uh, so do without Jones. I would do it without Jones. I, I mean, I think. I think Bell for Allen even up is is very fair yes. team dependent deal. You know, it, in in Alex's side, right? In Alex's case, he's got a a little bit of of a hole at wide receiver. He's got Demarius, Golden Tate, Woods, Garcon. He he needs some wide receiver help. So in his case, even more if you if you're getting two starting wide receivers and a 2019 first, that's a no brainer. Uh, we we've talked about bell on here before Matt thinks this is his last year in Pittsburgh. So we don't know obviously what the future holds team situation. He's had the injuries. He's had the off field stuff, the risk, even though we're, we're a year or two clear of those things, those, those concerns are never going to go away. And if he lands with who knows what team, right. Probably not going to be as good as of a situation as the Steelers. Then, then that value is just going to continue to drop. Um, so, yes, definitely one hundred percent make that trade. Keaton Allen's like twenty five years old. Yeah, and Marvin Jones, a big time producer. That's an easy one. 
All right, next question. This one comes from Dan. What are your thoughts on Tevin Coleman? Should we buy now before he gets a lead job next year? Or is he just a career committee back? So we know what uh, we know what the Falcons have done this offseason in the draft specifically. They brought in uh, Ido Smith, and the the thought there was they're just planning for 2019. Uh, Tevin Coleman's contract is up at the end of this upcoming season, and it, it's kind of doubtful that they're going to pay Tevin Coleman the contract that he wants on top of the big money deal that Devonte Freeman already has. So uh, just, just on his own merit, how do you view Tevin Coleman? Do you, do you look at him as a guy who can carry a backfield in the NFL? I'm aggressively buying. Um, he's not one of my, he's one of my favorite guys to go after right now. And this doesn't seem to get talked about a lot, but the injury news on Devonte Freeman isn't super promising. You know, like, He's a really good back, but I wonder if he's getting to that stage where things are starting to ache, he's not quite as explosive, you know, that maybe Coleman moves past him this year. We pretty much know, kind of like we were talking about with Bell, that Coleman is not going to be a Falcon a year from now. And it's funny because I was just on the radio a couple of days ago here in Pittsburgh and we were talking about Bell and I'm like, I wouldn't bring him back. You know, like, well, what would you do? I said, well, I'd go sign Tevin Coleman for a third of the price, you know, for Jarek McKinnon money. Bring him to Pittsburgh or, you know, I think he'll get a McKinnon like deal a year from now, but I also am not so sure that he won't be the bigger of the two in Atlanta this year either. I think he's pretty good. Yeah. So the last, you mentioned the injury, the last report we had regarding Freeman was earlier this month. And, uh, and he mentioned, or he was quoted as saying he's, his knee is still not 100%. It is getting stronger, but I just noted that he's he's still in, still dealing with some issues there. So not that, the biggest guy, super physical runner, takes a beating, getting up in age, some red flags with Freeman. I mean, I th- I just imagine if we even if we see a repeat of last year, right? If if both Freeman and Tevin Coleman have very similar seasons to what they did this this past year in 2017. And then if Coleman were to move on it, if the Steelers were to sign him. That's I'm, an optimal landing spot. But, right, right. Yeah. That's that's certainly best case. But he would be he would be talked about among the top ten running backs in Dynasty automatically. Mm-hmm. He he would be more so than McKinnon party. is right now. Yeah. So you, you said you were aggressively buying. What does what does that look like for you? What what's um, a start what's a starting offer? I would rather have them than Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, Royce Freeman, Carrion Johnson, Cortland Sutton. So anything after one nine ish you're you're giving for Freeman? I would yeah, if that offer came across right now, I say yes. Yeah, so I, I, I made a similar deal in one of my leagues. I was on the clock at one eleven. Uh didn't have anybody I loved and and was willing to move down. Traded that pick uh and got a couple of upgrades in in the third and fourth round minor upgrades uh and and got tevin coleman in return so you're making me feel better about that deal please rank for dynasty mark ingram tevin coleman aaron jones coleman is the easy one i think Hmm. uh the other two are close for me i would probably you know of course we had we had the news that we discussed uh 
couple weeks ago with the the Ingram suspension. Um, I would I would say Jones two and Ingram three. Yeah, Ingram's a distant third for me of those two, and I think the other two are close. But I'm also very smitten with Jones. Uh, we we know you are. We know you are. Do you, you know smitten? who else I'm smitten with? Yes, I do. <laughs> I bet you do. You beat me Our to it. Our friends at Harry's. Guys, I tell you about this every Dynasty Blueprint. You know that uh, I've been with these guys for a very long time. I've been doing podcasts for a very long time. Harry sponsored one of our old ones at ESPN. And boom, I was hooked. And I use their product every day where I used to be an electric guy because other blades chewed up my face and I'd have bumps. And so I went to electric, but I didn't get as good of a shave. Now I get the best of both worlds with Harry. So I'm very proud that they're part of our weekly conversation with you guys. They stand behind the quality of their blades, but they know that switching razors is not an easy decision, although it should be for you. So they created a trial offer, trial offer and claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash dynasty. Uh, by selling directly to you over the internet, Harry's can offer their blades at a price much lower than the leading brand. It's only two bucks a blade as compared to four or five bucks a blade. They have a quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let Harry's know within 30 days and they'll give you a free free refund. I mean, that's a heck of a deal right there. Um, and then the, here's the offer that's going on right now. You get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave for for free, basically. You get a weighted ergonomic handle, five-blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel that my wife loves, and a travel blade cover. So, listeners to our show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash dynasty. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash dynasty and redeem your offer and let them know that we sent you to help support the show. That's harrys.com slash dynasty. All right, Matt, our next question comes from Michael. Michael says, who is the receiver to own in Seattle other than Doug Baldwin? So uh, we know the Seahawks have, they lost Jimmy Graham. They let him walk. Uh, They're starting tight end. They, they have made some moves, but mostly minor. They, uh, they brought in uh, Jerron Brown from Arizona. They, brought in Ed Dixon, a former tight end at Carolina, but neither one of those are necessarily major impact moves. So their wide receiver depth chart is currently Baldwin, Tyler Lockett, uh, and then just some other uh, other names on the roster. Amara Darbo. Darbo yeah. Right. Darbo is kind of the, uh, the guy getting some attention. Tanner McAvoy. Uh, and Brown, I mentioned, and and the rest of these were we're really digging deep. And um, Brandon Marshall was in town last week on a visit. Right. They they have been at least rumored to be interested in both Marshall and Des Bryant. Uh, it would it would certainly make sense if they were to bring in one of those guys, but uh, just just for another body. Uh, but looking at their current depth chart, they're missing a ton of targets. I mean, if you think about Jimmy Graham alone, he had, uh, I think he had 26 red zone targets. Uh, Sounds about right. Yeah. Yes. Um, 16 targets inside the 10 yard line. <clears throat> so uh, I'm sorry. He was a touchdown machine. Yeah. Is the bottom yeah. Line. And, and yeah. everyone in the world knew they were throwing to him when they were near the stripe. Right, some of those those numbers might be a little off. We'll we'll check into that. But regardless, they're missing Graham. They're they're uh, and they haven't really done much to upgrade that receiver spot or really any other position other than adding 
Rashard Penny. Which of these receivers do you want, or do you do you want any of them? I mean, I do a power ranks for my Locked On NFL podcast, and I had Seattle at like 27 or 28. I think this is going to be a bad football team. I think there's going to be some lean years for Russell Wilson. I think they're trying to change how they play offense and take a little off his shoulders and put it on the running back, Penny, although I'm not a huge Penny believer. Um, I do think the offensive line, offensive line coaches changes should be better, but it's not going to be mediocre. Probably it'll still probably be below average. I love Doug Baldwin as a player and and a buddy of mine was actually in Vegas right now. And he sent him, sent me a big list of these are the props out there for, you know, receiving yards leaders and Baldwin was way down the list. And I'm sitting there thinking maybe I'd put a buck on Baldwin because if they're losing a lot, he's a great player. He may get, 12 targets a game you know because it's the only show in town but then i also thought every team's gonna try to take him away you know it's a chicken or egg situation there's no one else that you fear so in the end i think i want no seahawks that being said i've been a locket guy you know i mean i think Harmon's a big locket guy right i forget yes yeah, yeah. and ever since basically I've, i'm agreeing with Harmon. i think there's greatness there i just don't know that his body's able to put up with it yeah i mean lockett is his his shine is has worn off certainly i Mm -hmm. mean he was he was a major dynasty target two off seasons ago and and honestly just hasn't lived up to to much of that hype so maybe maybe this is the year for him uh he he should certainly have some opportunity darbo is starting to get some attention in dynasty circles again, just because of this opportunity. Um, I'm not sure how, how much I believe in him. I mean, if he's on the waiver wire, yeah, get him on my team, but I'm not necessarily targeting him or or going out and buying him in any existing leagues. Yeah. I, I, I basically agree with you because I don't think he's a great prospect at all. I made a trade about two or three weeks ago, and I needed one more guy to make the numbers work. So I said, hey, throw Darbo in as opposed to somebody that I really didn't like. You know, so I, I'll take him basically on the cheap or I'd give you a fourth round pick for him right now. <coughs> and basically the only thing I like about him is he's the only big receiving threat they have. I mean, their tight ends are big and slow. And even the dude they drafted is a blocker. I mean, uh, there's no tight end threat. I'm just thinking Darbo might be active near the goal line but does that mean you start them for fantasy ever probably not yeah i i just keep hearing des bryant every time everything you say um so we'll we'll see where he ends up next question from murray have you ever adjusted a dynasty league starting lineup i.e transferring a one quarterback league to a super flex and if so any recommendations so i have made some changes to starting lineups but those have been, I guess you would say minor in comparison. Basically, we added a flex spot, and that was something that we voted on as a uh, as a league, and, and it passed with the majority voting in favor of that. Now, moving from one quarterback to a super flex is a much, much bigger change. Uh, we've actually talked about that on one of my other podcasts, um, Commission Impossible with Scott Fish. So um, you can get a really detailed explanation there. Scott has some some great thoughts on this. 
uh, on this topic. But in short, if you're going to try to move from one quarterback to a super flex league, you need at least a full year's notice uh, because the, that does change value so much of, uh, of these players. And, and honestly, my recommendation usually is just start a new league. Just if you want a super flex league, uh, just, just start fresh. And, and maybe it's even uh, the same group of guys. If you have a, if you have a good league going, but it's, it's such a difficult transition that I would, I would just start an, an entire new league. Yeah. You basically said what I was going to, and you know, this is much more up Ryan's alley with a commissioner background than mine. But basically the two things I, if you're set on doing it, I would suggest either make an announcement that in 2020, you're going to have a, two, a super flex league. You have to give them a lot of time or, Hey, how about the 12 of us just have a startup and we'll keep both leagues. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next question from Don Mega. Oh, should I target, should I target Burton, Kittle or McDonald in free agency in my dynasty league week one on waivers when it opens? That's an easy Uh, one for me too. It says rank one through three. He has Shaheen and a Miller. I don't even, who the heck's Miller? Yeah. Who is Miller? A Miller. I don't know. Whoever it is, is probably not, probably not a good thing if we can't think Miller that's a tight end Miller I know of it off the top of my head well Zach Miller was the Bears right maybe doesn't he have a very broken leg too he does he, he does. I think you can cut Miller whoever he is he has a broken career um, <laughs> all right so Burton Kittle McDonald I I want They're not I, I think I think Vance McDonald is definitely third in this group would you agree with that Yes. Okay. Although I'm a McDonald fan and I own him everywhere with okay. a little bit of Steeler insight there. All right. All right. Hint, hint. Um, I like Burton and Kittle a lot. I really, really like Burton. He would be my number one target. Uh, but if things didn't work out and you had to settle for Kittle, I would be okay with that as well. Wow. Uh, I think Kittle's clearly number one. You know, like to me, Kit, I'm looking at my tight end ranks. Kittle's number 10, Burton's 15. McDonald's 23. So I think there's a pretty good gap between all three. I, I, part of it's because I still like Shaheen. I think he's going to cut into Burton a little bit. I think Kittle's in a perfect situation. I've been buying him up this offseason. I think I've added him in two trades. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty high on Burton. I, like I said, I like Kittle as well. I'm not as worried about Shaheen. I, I, I love the deal they gave Burton. I think that speaks volumes. Uh, you yourself have, have taught me that. When NFL teams spend money, that's something we should pay attention yeah. to. Uh, Burton is like tight end seven for me. He's he's wow. pretty far up there. Yeah. Uh, and and he's been the guy I've been targeting. Wow. I might have so, to think about him a little bit more too. So, yeah. In, in short, with those three guys on the waiver wire, you're in good shape. But – uh, Burton or Kittle should definitely be a priority. And, and honestly, I'd, I'd be they happy should. to get both of those guys. Yes. Put it for both. They, neither of those should be on waivers in any league. Dump, dump a Miller and get both of those. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Next question from the FF Canadians with his value dipping post Rams trade. Would you be comfortable holding Brandon cooks? If not, what's the lowest rookie pick you would move him for? What, what are your thoughts on cooks? We hadn't talked about him lately. Well, I was a big fan of Sammy Watkins, and I said on the show many times, I thought his tape was really good, but the numbers didn't translate. Not that he was a decoy, but he was kind of a decoy. You know, that because of Goff, and I do think this will expand as Goff's career expands, 
he had a lot of half field reads with Sammy being on the other side of the field to draw coverage. And I do think Cooks is going to take the the Watkins role. And clearly they value that guy in their offense a lot because when they couldn't bring Sammy back, they went and spent a lot of resources to go get Cooks. But I think his numbers dip. You know, like I don't know that now's the time to sell him. But he dropped in my rankings behind guys like Thielen and Tyreek and Diggs. I might rather have Corey Davis. I might rather Baldwin. I think he's worrisome. But he still should have a great career. Like, don't give him away. He's still really young. Yeah, I'm I'm I mean, I agree with most of what you said. He dropped a little for me as well. But at the same time, I'm I'm always leery of selling low. Um mm-hmm. You know, he's Young, asking super talented, proven. right? He's asking here about what's the lowest rookie pick you would move him for. I mean, it would still take Ooh. a top four pick for me, probably. That's and what we, I'm thinking here. Like, I don't think I don't think you're getting that right now. So that just means hold. Yeah, like I'd rather have him than DJ Moore or any wide receiver in this class, right? For sure, I think I'd rather have him than Chubb or Ronald Jones or Penny. Yeah, so you're talking I one, two, one, or one, four. three. Yeah, right? one, three. Right. Yeah. And I'm not going to get it. All right, so that means hold, and it might even mean buy. If you've got the one, six, or one, seven, and you've got a chance to uh, to buy cooks for that, that may be a move to make as well. Yeah, kick the tires. Dale says, would you, would you sell Carlos Hyde and the 1.09 to move up into the top five of the rookie draft? He says he's desperate for a running back, and it's a half – Point per carry league. Mm. Are you that makes Jones different? and Penny more attractive to me? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I would do that. Yeah, um, I think I would too. I'm. I just don't. Honestly, I just don't value Hyde all that much anyway. I I, I really felt that way before the uh, the addition of Nick Chubb, but I certainly feel that way now. And with the point per carry and, and half a point per carry is is a huge bonus sometimes you'll see a quarter point or even a third point per carry but a half point per carry is a big deal and you're right that's that's big for penny that's big for jones that's big for royce freeman uh those guys are going to see a bump darius geis and obviously barkley those those probably should be your top five and you you get one of those players yeah i mean a guy like ronald jones i think that really spikes just because there's nobody around him same with penny and, you know, those are my four and five guys. And he said he wanted to move up to number five. So you're pretty much assured to get one of those two. So, yeah, I think I do that. Give yeah, up high, do it short to get that guy. Sure. I would as well. Another trade question involving a draft pick. This one comes from Chris. Would you trade AJ Green for the 1.03? So um, that's that's obviously not locked in as a specific player. If we've got Barkley going one, then 1.03 could be Geis, could be Chubb, could be Penny, could be Sony Michelle. If you're in Matt's league, could be uh, maybe even a wide receiver in a, in a few rare cases. I think I want AJ Green over all of those guys, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think there's a lot of good football ahead of still involved with AJ Green. And I just pulled up his stats while you were talking there. I mean, people don't seem to give him the credit that he deserves. But this past year, 65 catches for over 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns. And he was injured some. 
The year before, 97 for 1350 and 11 touchdowns. The year before, 96 for 1426 and 11 touchdowns. 90 or 69 for a little over 1006 touchdowns before that. 1200 yards, almost 1300 yards and 10 touchdowns in 2015. He's a superstar. I mean, he's a number 1 receiver. If he's healthy, he puts up 13 1400 yards and base close to double digit touchdowns every year. No, uh, the only pick I'd take for him is one, one. I, I can't take one, two either. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, and even if you're, if you're rebuilding and you're looking to sell a, a guy like AJ green, I think you're better off selling in season when, when contenders are reminded of that production and they see him putting up yeah. 20 fantasy points a game. Yeah. And that's what he does. Last question, Matt, comes from David. What's up with the Oakland and Cleveland backfields? Will any one player get enough touches to be an RB2? Uh, Let's start with Oakland. Uh, They had the trio last year, Marshawn Lynch, DeAndre Washington, Jalen Richard. All of those guys saw some playing time. Uh, I would say it's probably fair to say none of them really made a fantasy impact uh, throughout the season. And then the one move they make this offseason is to bring in another veteran, Doug Martin, formerly of Tampa Bay. So now it's all four of those guys, Lynch, Martin, Washington, Richard. First of all, I think this tells Dynasty owners we can probably move on from Washington and Richard. Both of those guys mm-hmm. have been at the end of uh, the end of Dynasty rosters in most of my leagues. And I think uh, I think they can probably hit the waiver wire. Lynch and or Martin are going to see the bulk of the carries. Do you? I agree, but what happens when it's third and eight? They don't have a real receiving. I mean, I still think that might be Washington. Not that he's going to be fantasy relevant, but I think this is one of the backfields I want to be involved with the least. Is is where I'm going to be end up going with this. Right. Project. Yeah. I, I was I was going to say that as well. Um, even on a contending team. If I've got a hole at running back, I don't think I'm looking at Lynch and Martin. First of all, I'm, I, I don't have a great feel for how that how that's going to shake out between the two. Even I if I Lynch was good last year, though, and Martin stinks. I guess my what, what I keep going back to is Gruden's come in and he's he's brought in these certain types of players, right? And and most of them are veterans. You, you've seen some of the some of the jokes oh, yeah. and comments going around about that. But Martin is the guy he brought in. Lynch is not. So. Oh, no doubt. And they want to run the ball a lot. And everything's about heavier personnel, blocking tight ends, blocking fullbacks, drafting linemen high. I want nothing to do with it. But to me, Lynch is clearly the best runner of the football on the team. And I thought he looked good last year. I don't think Martin looked good. I do think they want to run the ball a lot. Could Lynch end up as a 1,200-yard back this year? I think that's feasible. And he also catches... 30 passes or so I might throw a third round pick at Lynch. Well, they're, they're both certainly very cheap in dynasty. So uh, if you have a favorite there, I really don't Matt likes Lynch. Then, then you can get them cheap enough. That's the good news. Uh, Cleveland is a completely different situation. Maybe the Raiders have zero running backs. We want the Browns have three running backs. We want, and it's going to be a challenge to figure out what this might look like this year. Carlos Hyde, of course, we mentioned him earlier, signed from the 49ers uh, in free agency. Duke Johnson has been there for, uh, I guess, since the 2014 season. His fourth season there, I think, 
the pass catching back there. And, and he's even, did, did, have you seen his Twitter activity lately, Matt? No, I have not. He doesn't, he doesn't seem happy with, with the Browns organization. He's mm. uh, taken down some, uh, some pictures and references to the Browns. He's putting these, uh, putting out these cryptic, uh, tweets about being patient and being uh, disrespected and things like that. So maybe, maybe that's a hint of things to come. And maybe Duke Johnson is with another team by the time training camp rolls around. And then of course they drafted Nick Chubb. Um, I'm happy to have any of these guys on my roster. I, I kind of mentioned my overall doubts or concerns about Hyde. He would not be a guy I would target. I love buying Duke Johnson low right now, especially if he does get a chance uh, at, on another roster. And uh, Chubb is a guy, the, the more I think about how the draft played out and, and what these prospects um, are looking like in their short-term and long-term future, he's a guy that's uh, creeping up my ranks, probably probably my 1.03 now, actually. Hmm. Yeah, good points. And one thing I've been kind of saying about Duke all along is – yeah, the Browns look better, but they're not going to be blowing teams out. I still think there can be a lot of, not garbage time, but come from behind time, uh, Duke Johnson time, third and longs, you know. But I also think the Najokus and certainly Landry will ter- cut into his targets too, that he won't be as much of a piece of the pie in the receiving game for the snaps he's on the field. And that's before you even mentioned that he might be leaving town or isn't happy because I was about to say, it wouldn't shock me if a running back went down and they traded Hyde, you know, and get paved the way for Chubb. And then all of a sudden Chubb looks really good. What if they kind of move on from the both of them over the next two years or so? Yeah, I think Chubb's stock is growing the more I think about him. My Chubb is growing. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was too hard. You're, you're changing our, our rating on here. Um <laughs> Yeah, Chubb is definitely the the player I want out of this group. But again, I'm happy to buy low on Duke Johnson and uh, see where he ends up. As far as his role, though, if if he does remain with the team, they've got Corey Coleman, who was injured for a part of last year. You've got Josh Gordon, who was suspended for part of last year. You've added Jarvis Landry. You've got Njoku going into his second season. Fair to assume he'll... Uh, play a larger role. You drafted Callaway. Maybe he's a project. Maybe he makes an impact. Who knows? And and then, of course, you do add Chubb and Hyde, who both are adequate pass catchers. Uh, certainly not in the Duke Johnson range, but they, they can catch the ball if they needed to. I could just see there's not a, not going to be as many targets to go around for, for Duke Johnson no. or or really any of these guys. We're going to see the ball spread out more than it was in the past couple of years. And Landry's not going to get a bazillion targets like he did in Miami, probably. Right. Real quick note there. I would be happy if I – if I, right now, if I owned Hyde, Duke, or Coleman, I think you want them to get traded. You know, that'd be no matter where they land, you'll take your chances. It's better where they're at now. And then my question to you is Chubb, Jordan Howard, Jay Ajayi, Derek Henry, please rank. Chubb won for sure. Okay, he's one for me too, but uh, Howard scares me. I just traded Howard. Chubb, Howard, Ajayi, and who else? Derrick Henry. Yeah, I would say Chubb, Howard, Henry, Ajayi. That's my list too, but I'm down on Howard. I just got rid of him. Trade That's him for, for Hilton. 
Yeah, yeah, I like I that. Very happy with that, yeah. All right, cool. Matt, that will do it for today. Thanks to all our listeners for uh, sending some questions in. We've got a few more, so we might have to uh, jump back on here later this week and answer some more questions. As always, we appreciate the questions, appreciate the support, appreciate you listening. We'll be back next time with more Dynasty Blueprint.